Well, good morning, everyone. If you can take your seats, those of you who are in the sanctuary here, um, and uh, so we can get ready to, to start our service this morning. Um, a warm welcome to any visitors that are with us this morning. We pray that you'll have a wonderful time with us and lovely to see you. Oh, the way that we actually have someone waving at us, even better. And for those of you on Zoom, wave as well. There we go. Are you waving? Uh, they're waving, yes, as well. I can't see them, but I just know they are. Um, <laughs> anyway, lovely to see you all this morning. Um, just one announcement, really, that I've been asked to give. Um, there are some, um, we put out some toys at the back of the, for those of the, you in the sanctuary, but some toys at the back. So if you have some very young ones, or even if you want to just play with the toys while Tony's speaking, then, um, then you know, please avail yourself of that. We don't mind any noise. Um, you know, but don't cry too much, please. So that's that's the main thing. Uh, but yes, there, there are some toys out for the for the younger children if they want to go and play with them. Um, so I think that's the only the only notice I actually had. <laughs> anyway, we come we're coming this morning to to just worship our God and to give Him the glory. Let's just pray as we start. Father God, we thank you that you are an awesome God, one that we can come before and give thanksgiving and praise to. You are amazing, Lord, and we just want to honor you with our thanks this morning. So, Lord, just come by your Holy Spirit now. Fill each and every one of us. Guide us into praise, we ask this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm Steve, and I'll be uh, leading our service this morning, and Tony will be speaking later. But those of you who are able, let's stand and let's sing. Um, you are allowed to remove your mask if you want to now. Um, as we know, all the, re the regulations change, but if you still want to wear a mask, then please do. Um, but let's just praise our God this morning. Sorry, just my ears are not playing. Join with the angels 
prophets from Isaiah, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment. amazing God you promised me fullness of life in Christ Jesus I thank you by your spirit you are giving me that daily thank you take away my sin dear Lord and giving you life I bless your holy name you're an amazing God I love you so much Amen We dwell in the goodness of it, Lord. And we just thank you. We can't thank you enough, Lord, for what you've done for us every day, Lord. Amen. Dear Lord, we praise your name this morning. We thank you for the beautiful blue sky this morning and the sunshine that's beating down. We thank you for all these wonderful things that you bring us. Um, this morning, Lord, I'd like to pray for my, my dad who's currently in hospital. Um, I'd just like to pray for my mum and the wider family that um, will have the support that we need. And we thank you for all the prayers of everybody at Heathervale and those in the community. Um, we pray and thank you for the doctors and nurses who've done an amazing job so far. And um, we know, Lord, that he's in safe hands with you. We praise your holy name. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that you are such an amazing God. You do such wonderful things. And Father, we just can't, uh, we just can't list them all because there's so many. You are such an amazing God. And Father, I just pray actually for my brother at the moment that Lord, I don't know what state he's in. He looks as though he can't adhere, um, do, do anything. But Father, I just pray that you would touch him by your spirit and Lord, that he would become yours 
Father, I know looking at him physically, it seems impossible for him to have life again. But Lord, we know that you can do miracles. And Father, I just ask particularly that he will come to know you. If he's to die, then I just pray that he will know you and he'll go to be with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, Lord, we bring our prayers of praise and thanks before you this morning. Yes, you are an amazing God. And you can do more than we can ask or think. And, Lord, we do pray for our community here at Heathervale and for our little town of Newhall. Lord, we pray for things like Alpha. Lord, we pray for Alpha and the work that's being done there. We pray for the Let's Do Takeaway Lunch. We pray for the work of food banks in our area. Lord, for those in need, um, we pray that you would just um, bring help to them today. Father God, we, we thank you that we can be um, with our community. And Lord, we just ask that you would just help us to, to show compassion. Lord, we pray for those in our community and those in our fellowship who are ill at this time. Lord, we just heard about Rob's dad and Lord, we pray for him um, and for others in our in our fellowship who are sick or ill at this time, Lord, we just ask for you to, to come upon them by your Holy Spirit and bring healing. Lord, we know you can do more than we ask or think. And so, Lord, we just bring them in our minds before you now. And for, for Martin, as he's been away on, on his study week, Lord, we pray that it's been fruitful and we ask that you just bless him. And so, Lord, we just bring these prayers of thanksgiving to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to hand over now to, to Mark and his talk. So, uh, it'll be coming up on the screen now. Hi, everyone. Back on video this week. And as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark, Tony is going to be speaking to us about our allegiance to God. So, in our All Age video this week, I thought we'd take a look at what it looks like to put God first in our lives. And I'm going to tell you the story of a guy called Gideon and how God used him to save Israel because he eventually completely trusted God and followed his commands, even when they seemed like they would have no chance of success or make any sense at all. Now the Israelites had disobeyed God and started worshipping false gods. They'd pretty much forgotten about the Ten Commandments and everything God had done for them before. So God allowed them to be invaded by the Midianites. The Midianites stole all their crops and livestock, so the Israelites had to hide not only their food, but themselves for fear of their lives. Eventually, they cried out to God for help, and he heard their cry. So one day, a guy called Gideon was secretly threshing wheat in a wine press. He was a cowardly, 
timid guy, the youngest in his family, from the lowest tribe, and he lacked confidence. He was threshing, which means separating the good grain from the chaff, when an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he said to Gideon, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This took Gideon somewhat aback. A mighty warrior was the last thing he was. Pardon, he said, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? The Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midianites. Anyway, Gideon asked the angel of the Lord to prove that he was from God. I told you, Gideon was untrusting. So Gideon went to get an offering, and when he came back, the angel of the Lord told him to place it on the rock. When Gideon did so, the angel touched it with his staff, and it was consumed with fire, and the angel disappeared. So Gideon believed that the angel was from God, but he still had trouble believing that he was going to save Israel, even with God's help. So he said to God, if you can save Israel and, and use me to do it, as you've promised, I, I need the sign. I'm going to put a woolen fleece on the threshing floor. And if there's dew on it in the morning and all the ground around it's dry, then I will know that you will use me to save Israel. And do you know what? That's exactly what happened. Gideon got up really early the next morning and he squeezed the fleece out and wrung out the dew, but the ground was all dry. Then Gideon said to God, still struggling a little bit with this God, um, but please don't be angry. Let me just make one more request. Let me have one more test. And this time I'm going to put the fleece on the floor again, but I want the ground to be covered in dew and the fleece to be completely dry. And that night, God did exactly what Gideon had asked. So eventually, Gideon believed God, and from that moment onwards, he put all his trust in God. The next day, he summoned all the fighting men from his clan and those from the surrounding tribes to come and get ready for war. So Gideon amassed 32,000 men, which was still nowhere near as many as the Midianites. But that night, God said to Gideon, You've got far too many men. If you go into battle with this many men, they'll think that they won the victory on their own without my help. So tell everyone who is scared that they can leave and go home. And that is just what Gideon did. I told you he trusted God. When Gideon said this, 22,000 men left and went home, leaving Gideon with only 10,000 men. But once again, God said to Gideon that that's still too many. This is what you're to do. Take the men to the river and get them to drink, and I will show you which ones I choose to go with you and which ones you need to send home. So he did. Now, when they were drinking, some of the men put their weapons on the ground, knelt down and put their faces to the water to drink, whilst others held on to their weapons and scooped water up into their hands and drank, always keeping a lookout. These are the men God chose to accompany Gideon, but there were only 300 of them. So God was saying that 300 men and Gideon were going to defeat tens of thousands in the Midian army. Now that is trusting God. 
That night, Gideon was sleeping when the Lord woke him and told him to sneak into the Midian camp and listen to what they were saying, because it would give him the confidence to attack. So he took his servant and they went to the enemy camp. As they listened, one soldier was telling another of a dream he had. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that it was overturned and collapsed. The other replied, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Hearing how scared the Midianites were, Gideon and his servant rushed back to the camp and roused the 300 men. He gave them each a torch with a clay pot to cover it and a ram's horn. He told his men that they would go and surround the enemy camp and when they were all in position, they would blow their horns and smash the clay pots, raise their torches and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So this is what they did because they completely trusted Gideon, and Gideon completely trusted God. As they did this, God caused such confusion and panic throughout the Midian camp, so much so that they all started attacking each other, and then they fled. Gideon and his men chased after them and completely defeated them, and when the battle was over, they returned home. All the Israelites gathered together to ask Gideon to be their king and to rule over them. But Gideon refused, saying that only the Lord God could rule over Israel. And that, my friends, is the story of Gideon. So, if we put our faith in God, if we put our trust in Jesus and make him first in our lives, listen to his commands and do what he says, he can use us to do amazing things in his kingdom. Thank you, Mark. Another great video. It's now time for the young people to go to their groups. So those who are departing from us. Carol, can we get the reading up, please? So today's reading is taken from Mark chapter 10. Actually, I'll just take this. Side. So I've just realized I always forget about the offering, but it's just been brought forward. Anyway, thank you. Pray for that at the end. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. 
But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one, no one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for your offering that's been brought forward this morning. Lord, we just pray for that to be used within our community. And Lord, we pray now for Tony as he comes to speak to us. Lord, would you just give him wisdom? Um, Lord, would you just fill him with your spirit right now? And Lord, open our ears and our hearts to hear from you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Um, I'm a bit full of cold this morning, so I apologise for that. But uh, I have tested and um, it was negative, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> so just wearing the mask to um, prevent you getting all the germs that uh, I've got. So Mark 10, we continue our um, series in Mark and we come to allegiance to Jesus. Um, now, in this passage, um, very familiar passage, I'm sure, to all of us, um, but we are called, or Jesus is calling this young man, so he's calling us as well, to follow him above all others. Not only above all others, but above all other things. Because we've all got things, uh, and sometimes we put things in the way of Jesus um, rather than put him first. So... What can we learn from this passage? Now, it's all about the wealth of this young man, but with that wealth comes power, comes status, uh, and we can see whether or not someone has the power and misuses it, or has the power and uses it wisely. Now, I'm sure we don't have to look very far to see the misuse of power that uh, perhaps is going on in this country uh, and perhaps going on in other countries. Power can be used wisely or it can be used unwisely. Now, Lord Acton in 1887, he said this, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I thought that's quite good, I like that. So I'll include that. Uh, but I think it sums it up really that, that that's one way that people can use power. It can corrupt absolutely and be the most important thing to people. Now we can see it in power, but perhaps we, in our working environment, perhaps we've found the same, that someone uses power unwisely and we've been subject to that unwise power and we've got, we bear the scars and the wounds for that. So it's all part of our experience. And you know, it's hard, isn't it, to put your trust and your faith in someone 
that you know misuses power and misuses it for their own ends. How much easier is it to put our trust and faith in someone with power and authority that uses it for good and uses it for the good of everyone before himself? Of course, that someone is Jesus. And Jesus has an attitude of a servant. Although he is the Son of God, has all power and authority, he has an attitude of a servant. And Philippians 2, from verse 5 to 8, says this, Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So how easy is it to put our trust and faith in someone like that? And it should be easy. If it's easy, why is it then that some of our families, some of our friends, some of our work colleagues, some of the people that we come into contact with find it easier to put their faith and trust in the things of this world, which is corruptible and will disappear, but find it hard to put their trust in Jesus Christ and just enjoy all that Christ um, can give to each one of us. Now, the problem with money, often it comes with power and status. And that power and status can be used in the right way or in the wrong way. Let me give you an example out of my own experience of uh, when I was commercial manager at TAG in Farnborough. Now for, um, uh, well, I don't know if it's legal or not anyway, but this is not the TAG hangar. And this is not this gentleman's aeroplane. The hangar is similar, the aeroplane is similar, it's just not his colours that were on it. So I was at work one day and I was walking across the hangar when suddenly my mobile went off and it was our receptionist. And she said, can you come to reception quickly? There's a man here who is screaming and shouting at me. And I thought, oh, how kind. <laughs> so I, I go back to reception and this man is really having a go. And uh, as soon as I turned up, she introduced me and he started on me and said, you have no right to work my aeroplane and I'm here to take it and I am taking it now. Oh, okay then. So I walked him across the hangar and uh, into the next hangar where his aeroplane was. And I said, just hold on here a minute because I need to get all the engineers off the aeroplane. So I went on board and around it and right, got all the engineers off. I said, there it is. There's your aeroplane, please take it. And he looked at me and he said, well, aren't you gonna open the hangar doors? I said, no. If you want to take your aeroplane, which at the moment is not airworthy, because it's some bits taken off it, you need to open the hangar doors, you need to attach the tug to the aeroplane, you need to tug it out to the taxiway, undo the tug, and then get ready to go. And by the way, while you're doing that, I'm going to ring the control tower, and I'm going to tell them to refuse takeoff clearance. <laughs> See, when I'm on a roll, I'm on a roll. <laughs> So that should, that should teach you never to argue with me. You shout at me, I'll get you. But that was, not, that was not what was in my mind. That was not what was in my mind. You see, he felt 
that because he had power, he had money, he had status, he had a nice posh aeroplane, that I would do exactly what he wanted me to do. I'm not in the business of having an aeroplane crash in Farnborough because of someone's stupidity. That's the reason I did it, not to get my own back on him, but I didn't want the responsibility of him being killed and other people on the ground. His misuse of the power that he thought he had. And if looks could kill, <laughs> I'd have been dead there and then because he looked at me and he just stormed off. And uh, I never ever saw him again. Um, we delivered his aeroplane, but um, you know, that's up to him. But he, he, he went. He believed his money and power and status would get people to do exactly what he wanted them to do. He was not prepared to listen to anything that I was trying to tell him because I told him you can't have it, but I will get it ready for you as soon as I possibly can. Not interested. I'm taking it now. So is the customer always right? No. <laughs> so the saying that the customer is always right is wrong <laughs> in a lot of cases. Um, but I know there are those uh, here who um, have shops and um, <laughs> if you turn customers away, that's not a good idea, but um, you know, you've got to do it safely. I share that with you, not to pat myself on the back for a job well done, but this man's attitude was the same as the young man's attitude. He had power and status. This wealthy young man had everything he could have wanted because Luke tells us he was a ruler so he's a ruler with power, with authority, and very rich. So he has all the ingredients for a good life. And he believed he was a good man. And the Jews believed that if you had money and wealth, that God was pleased with you. And so he felt he was a good man because he had wealth and God had blessed him with it. But he'd come to Jesus because there was something missing. He had all this now, but he wanted an assurance from Jesus that he'd have it in the future. Jesus was about to expose what was in his heart rather than what came out of his mouth. He knew what he wanted, this young man, but he was not prepared to listen to what Jesus had to say in order to get it. Like the man with the aeroplane would not listen to me. So he ended up not getting his aeroplane there and then. So he came to Jesus spiritually troubled because all that he got wasn't enough. He lacked something. He spiritually lacked the assurance, the hope of eternal life. And this young man had everything the world had to offer. But he lacked one thing, the hope of eternal life. And first century Jews were accustomed to thinking about the present age and the age to come. They were the two things, present age, age to come. The present age, which they were living in, was marked by oppression, was marked by sin, was marked by injustice. But the age to come was when the Messiah comes and will destroy all the bad that was in the world expected 
the ushering in of the new age to come, bringing freedom, peace, justice, and judgment. And I'm sorry if you can't see it. Um, I noticed at the nine o'clock it wasn't very good. And I did mean to go up and ask Carol to change it to white. But uh, for those that can see it, the top half is, because uh, it was easier to do a diagram than it was for me to explain it. The Jews generally believed that the present age would then stop when the Messiah came and would usher in the age to come. Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't accept that because he didn't usher in this age to come. So the second half is Jesus and why he came. So yes, there is a present age, which includes the past and now, because Jesus has come for the first time. But the age to come will come when Jesus comes again. That that's when it will happen. That all injustice, sin, death will be defeated. See, Jesus had a mission, and the bit between the first coming and the second coming was to defeat sin and death, which he did. But this age to come will come when Jesus comes again. He is the Messiah. They got it wrong. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. See, Jesus has already brought God's kingdom here on earth now, and he will bring the new age when, or the age to come, when he comes again. Now the Jews at the time wanted to be sure that what they had in the present age, they would have in the age to come. And leading Jews would have answered the man's question with what they believed, that because God was pleased with this man, because he had wealth and riches and all those things, that he would have it in the age to come. But he comes saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him. But remember, Jesus is looking on his heart and not listening to what's coming out of his mouth. So Jesus tells him in verses 19 and 20, you know the commandments. And Jesus lists some of them and summarizing God's law. And the man says he's obeyed them from a young boy. Jesus knows that that is true because he's looking on the heart and he knows this man is telling the truth. But has he obeyed all the commands? Jesus talked about a few of them, but he knew there was commands that he had not kept. And I'm sure you can guess. Number one, and... Uh, before we look at that bit, I, I just I missed this bit. What really struck me when I looked at this passage, and I'd never seen it before, was in verse 21a. It says this, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus knew what was in his heart, but he still loved him. Jesus knows what's in our hearts, and he still loves us. I, I, it just jumped out at me. Jesus has compassion for everyone and wants the very best for all of us. But Jesus's response to this young man needed a radical rethink on his behalf because he had to forget his money and his wealth and his status and his ruling and he had to follow Jesus in order to get this eternal life. 
but it was a cost that the young man was not willing to pay. Jesus sees the wealth and status of this man as a stumbling block to following Jesus. And so Jesus lays out a path for him and tells him to go sell everything he has and follow him. But he couldn't do it. It was too much Jesus was asking him to pay. And so he went away disheartened, sorrowful, grieved because he had great possession. And I think I've missed it because it should have been on. on is, is there another one, Carol, about the first commandment? have no other gods before me but anyway that was the one that Jesus didn't say but knew he had missed you see he wanted life abundant but couldn't part with the abundance of this life Does that make sense he wanted life abundant but couldn't part with the abundance in his life and uh, Pastor Tim Keller, I don't always quote American pastors, um, but <laughs> I saw this and I thought, yeah, that sort of sums it up. He writes this, when Jesus called this young man to give up his money, the man started to grieve because money was for him what the father was for Jesus. Wow. It was the center of his identity. To lose his money would have been to lose himself. But that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. We must lose ourself in order to have Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus knows that whilst he has kept a lot of the commandments, this is the bit, see I've got myself all mixed up, uh, he has not kept all of them due to his wealth and status. And the one that he missed, Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. The man put the money, the wealth, the status, the power before Jesus Christ. It was too important to him to give up and follow Jesus. So instead he goes away sad. But you know, Jesus would have been sad as well, that he'd walked away, he'd laid the path, he loved him, but he couldn't do it. And as he was sad, I'm sure Jesus was sad. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and tells them that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. So the nicest camel and uh, needle I could find. Uh, there was another one which uh, Leslie showed at the nine o'clock. We said not to scale. <laughs> so definitely not to scale. I've not seen a needle that big. So what was Jesus saying? Well, there's all kinds of uh, explanations and theories that go into what Jesus meant when he talked about a camel going through the eye of the needle. The most popular of these is that there was a narrow gate in Jerusalem in the wall called the Eye of the Needle, which opened after the main gate was closed at night. And if the camel needed to go through that gate, it would have to remove all the baggage and the saddles and all the things it was carrying in order to go through, as an example of the man giving up all his wealth in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. However, <laughs> I have searched and uh, 
and, and uh, the commentaries and everything say there is no evidence of such a gate existed. So what was Jesus saying? If no gate existed, then Jesus was actually saying a camel going through the eye of a needle. And the Greek word translated eye is a word that literally means whole. And the Greek word for needle in this um, passage is a word for a sewing needle. So Jesus is exaggerating, but he is telling the truth to make his point. Someone's riches can no more guarantee them a place in the kingdom of God than a camel can go through the eye of a needle. By giving up worldly treasure, there will be treasure stored up in heaven. Not now, but in the age to come. And this would have challenged first century Jews' perspective on wealth, which was seen as a reward, as I've already said, to living a good life. Now, Jesus is not against anyone having wealth, power, or status. It's about how we use it and what it means to us. There are a lot of rich, wealthy Christians in this country, and I'm sure around the world, who use it for the glory of God rather than for the glory of themselves. Our allegiance, if it is to be with Jesus, then that has to be the number one, regardless of how much we've got or how much we haven't got. If we focus on it, it becomes a stumbling block and will ruin our relationship. See, Timothy writes in 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He says the love of money, not money, the love of money. Putting money first is a stumbling block to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know whether you've been amazed by all that, because that's what it says in Mark, but the disciples were amazed. But not only were they amazed, they were concerned by what Jesus said to them, because they wanted to know who then can be saved. They had given up everything to follow him. So I'm sure in their minds, you know, we've already done that, Lord, so we must have eternal life because we've done what you've asked us to do. But they're concerned and want to ask Jesus the question. And Jesus responds, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And then Peter speaks up and he tells Jesus they've left everything to follow him. And he responds to Peter, not first with the treasure to come, but with the treasure to, to be enjoyed now. The promise of God is always to have everything now and in the future. When we follow Christ, we lack nothing. No matter how much we give up, we can never, ever outgive it's impossible. And Jesus didn't reply to him, well, just wait and you'll get your reward one day. Even though that's true, Jesus tells them that there is a treasure 
in heaven, an inheritance in this life to come. And what Jesus says is we will receive it more than we have ever given up. And it talks about 10 times. When we give something up for Jesus, Jesus will give something back to us. But not only give something back, but it will be better than whatever we have given up or that we have sacrificed. Let me give you an example. If in our families, when we became Christians, if our brothers, our sisters, our mother, our father had all disowned us, disowned us when we followed Christ, then I ask you to look around, maybe not at home, because <laughs> you may just have your family there, but uh, just look around here in the sanctuary and just see how many brothers, how many sisters, how many mothers, how many fathers you have here this morning. Now, I'm, I'm no good at maths, so whether that's 10 times your own family or not, I don't know. But isn't it amazing? But even more than that, we have God and we have Jesus. We can't outgive him. He's given us so much. And the missionary C.T. Studd said this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We can take that on board this morning because I think that sums it up. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So what's the application for this passage for us today? Well, sitting at home or sitting here, you might be asking the same question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, the answer is the same now as it was when this young man asked Jesus the question. Lay down all that you have, including living for yourself, and invite Jesus into your life. And by doing this, you're placing your all under his feet and under his care, and then follow him in repentance and faith. By offering to do that, being willing to do that is enough. You see, he may not ask you to leave it all behind. He may ask you to pick it up again and to use it for his glory rather than for your own. It is that act of willingness to lay it down that matters. And what are we laying down? Our money, our possessions, our lives, and submitting them all to the authority of God. And it may be that you've already done that and you are assured of eternal life. But maybe for you this morning, and it's a message to me as well, what am I holding back? What have I not laid down at Jesus' feet and submitted it to his authority? See, I believe all I have been given comes from God. 
and it's to be used for his glory and not mine. But one thing I can guarantee is that I have received more from God than I have ever laid down before him. You can't outgive God. So I have a hope that assures me of the best life in the present age and in the age to come. Being with God in eternal life. And I've gladly received his grace and it's mine for eternity. And I'm sure you've seen this before. Uh, grace, if you, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Our treasure, our reward, our home is in heaven, not here on this earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you that it may have been a familiar passage, but it's a challenge to lay everything down before you. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you will move amongst us all, whether here in the sanctuary or at home, that you'll speak into our hearts and our minds. And if we are holding something back, will you convict us of that? And cause us to lay it before you. But for those who haven't got that assurance of eternal life. Holy Spirit will you meet with them. Will you open their hearts to receive from you this morning. And to invite Jesus Christ into their lives. That they may have an abundance of life. Now and for eternity. In Jesus name we ask it. Amen. So let's finish by singing Jesus all for Jesus. Be sure.
Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. is the way of sacrifice and so Lord help us as we go out into this week to give our all for Jesus everything that we have Lord knowing that you have prepared an eternity for each one of us and so we thank you Jesus Amen Amen. thank you for joining us this morning uh, for those of you on zoom you may unmute for those here in the sanctuary please join us next door for tea and coffee